Alright. Um, how to transition from there. If the hearts will worship and so will I. Um, service opportunity this Saturday. Um, you know, worship is a lot more than just our song. Um, but, you know, how how we serve God um, is, you know, everything we do is can be worship. Um, so this Saturday, um, along with every second Saturday of each month, um, we're partnering with Generosity Global. Uh, for anybody who wants to get involved, really awesome group. Um, a few of us were there in December. Um, really cool time. Um, we're, when you go down there, there's a bunch of people, a bunch of other volunteers, and uh, it's in Baltimore. Easy drive down. Um, we can par- uh, carpool together for anyone who's interested in going. Um, you just go down, dress appropriately, it's outside. Um, and then um, they have everything there. We're just serving. Um, so food, clothing, toys, um, we're, we're giving out all the stuff that people bring down and provide. Um, other organizations, other individuals. Um, really cool time. Um, uh, me, Yana, Jackie McCabe were there, along with some other people from the cause in December. <coughs> really great opportunity. Really cool to to do this. <laughs> um, to be able to um, to serve the least of these. To serve those who this is their first hot meal in a long time, or to serve those who um, you know don't have enough clothing and they're living out there on the street. So to receive that extra jacket is a lot more than just receiving an extra jacket to put in your closet. So that's all they got. Um, and you can use that opportunity to just serve, to say God bless and to give them stuff. Um, you can go above from there and like pray with people um, and and um, really cool opportunity. So um, just curious, anybody interested? I'm I'm going. You know, okay, okay. It's this it's is this it, Saturday. Is it 12 p.m. or to 12 a.m.? <laughs> p.m. <laughs> so like 9:30 in the morning to 12:30, um, and you can come and go if you need to. Get there later or leave, huh? Oh, nine. Nine? Is it nine? It can be, it can be nine or twelve. Okay. I saw a message on like 12 a.m. It's like, I don't think it's all the way up that time. Yeah, say a.m.? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah. About, so like, let's say 9 a.m. to 12, 12.30. Um, and I think they start cleaning up at 12. Oh, okay. We were there until 12.30. That maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Okay, so nine to 12. Um, I'll, I'll post it again in the group uh, for anybody interested. Really great opportunity. Don't miss it if you're able to go. It's supposed to be a high of 57. So okay. So not bad. Yeah. Not bad at all. Um, but definitely dress appropriately. Dress for, you know, cold if it's going to be cold. Um, anyway, great opportunity. Seriously, can't stress enough. They make it so easy. You just go there and you don't even have to, like, give anything other than a few hours of your time. Really awesome. Can't even speak enough about how awesome it is. Um, okay. Who remembers what we were reading or talking about kingdom two weeks ago? You said the kingdom of heaven is like... No, that was... Oh, yeah, was that... Like, that was a while. Last year. Never mind. I think I remember. Yeah. 
Uh, Why do you remember that far back, though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I finished John 1. Yeah, I was like, wait, I don't think I was here last time. We just started John, but we finished John 1. Yeah, you're like, oh yeah, my first time seeing the couch. So you were here last time. Um, so yeah, so last week we finished up with, um, you know, reading about, um, you know, John the Baptist and the disciples and Jesus being the Lamb of God. Um, trying to remember, I don't know if I gave you all a challenge. I don't recall what. Was it John the Baptist? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, some really exciting stuff going on in John 2. Um, so that's where we'll be at today, John 2. Um, and again, with this, I don't have an agenda of like, oh, we got to finish this. We could keep going past that, going to John 3. Um, we might spend the whole time in the first two verses. I don't know. Um, but we'll just um, take a little bit at a time. Um, who wants to start reading um, John 2? Who wants to read um, 1 through 8? Anybody? Eight verses, one through eight. Go, go for it. Um, so Jesus changes water into wine. Uh, on the third day, a wedding took place at um, Cana mm-hmm. in Galilee. Jesus, Jesus' mother. That's very hard though, when there's like an S at the very end of the word and then there's like the apostrophe thing. Very <laughs> difficult. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. Cool. Who wants to read 9 through 12? When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. The host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then, when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign that came in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum few days with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples. Cool. Alright, so what just happened here? <laughs> yeah, I turned water into wine. Yeah, upon request by his mother. He wasn't going to do it, you know. Request. It was a demand. <laughs> she told him what to do, and then she said, and then he's like, no, and then she says, do 
a lot of freaking wine. How so much? How much wine? Thank you. Eighty gallons of wine. That's a lot of wine. That's insane. Even if you're celebrating all week and you've got a hundred people there, uh -huh. that's a lot of that's wine. That's a lot of wine. And they had already gone through a lot, apparently. Mm -hmm. So why is this significant? Why did John write about this? There, the, the Bible tells about 37 miracles that Jesus does. 37. John speaks of, I believe, 8. John only speaks about 8 of the 37 miracles Jesus is reported doing. Um, you know, it even says that there are many more, but he only chose to write about certain ones. Actually, I believe it was at the very end of John when he kind of summarized it. Um, he said, Jesus also did many other things. This is the last verse of John uh, 21, very end of John. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that could be written. So we did a lot of miracles. Jesus did a lot of things. The accounts of the Bible record 37 of those many things. Um, John, as John says, I don't know if he's being dramatic or like Jesus really, you know, I believe he did those many things. He's like, the world couldn't even contain how many, you know, books of all the things to write about what Jesus did. Um, but John only chooses to write about eight specific instances. Each one showing different aspects of who Jesus is. Why did John write about this? What is so significant about this? Huh? <laughs> what about it? I said to, to get through to the alcoholics. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, this is the one of the first first signs of his of his miracle that mm -hmm. he performed. Yeah, and this is the first miracle that Jesus has ever performed. So, it was like the start of the journey. Mm-hmm. So there's a bread and wine. Yeah. It does. It talks about wine a lot. I think, in a way, it shows the way that Jesus elevated in society because this is the first miracle that he does, and it's performed at the urging of his mother. And so, automatically, she's important. You listen to each other. He's the son of God. Interesting to think about. He says, "My time has not yet come," and yet he does it anyway. Yeah. And that relationship that they have, you have to just imagine like, the closeness and that he would—I don't know—change his plans, alter the timeline of events for him to perform this miracle ahead of when he believed he should have for as much as he should have started, it's just very interesting to think about. Yeah. Along those same lines of, you know, Jesus sort of honored a woman, you know, the word he uses, you know, for his mother, dear woman, you know, in the Hebrew or Greek translation, I don't know if you know that, but that word that he uses to talk to you about, it's not woman, mother,
that sign of respect of mm -hmm. yes ma'am yeah. ma'am please um, and uses it one other time in the Bible that I'm aware of that's when he's talking to the woman at the well um, who is so far down in society under you know, Sumerian you know has you know, five separate husbands or whatever mm -hmm. you know and the term he uses for his mother is the same one he uses for this person who is leagues below his stature yeah. and shows just Pure respect love he has for not only this woman who gave birth, Christ, you know, I'm not sure in all this, but for everything, right? Because it puts them both on that same playing field. Even though one is the mother of Jesus, mm -hmm. and the other is, you know, a Samaritan woman. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good connection. He also says it again later when he's, you know, at the very end when he's, you know, being crucified on the cross and he says, he's saying to John, um, John? Yeah, I believe John. He's saying, like, woman, like, here's your son. Like, there's John. Like, he'll take care of you now. Um, at that point, his mother, his father, Joseph, was already dead, so no one's left to take care of Mary. So he addressed her as, like, woman, here I am. Now John will take care of you. I believe, I believe there's a few other times also. I don't recall where else, but, but yeah, that's a good connection. Um, yeah, it's an equivalent to, like, ma'am in today's society. Not like, woman, like, that's not our problem. It's like, ma'am, like, what do I have to do about that? Good observations. What else? Did they transport these stone Did they have to move them somewhere? Um, it doesn't specify. Yeah, they'd probably just fill it from there or take the wine from there. Yeah, because from there it was saying, like, then, like, dip some out and give it to the master of ceremonies. Why are they stone? I have a... Oh, I have an answer for that. Oh, go for it. Um, they are stone because with Jewish hand-washing ceremony tradition, stone, because it was of the earth, was seen as not being able to be like tainted or defiled because if it was from clay that's like man formed it but the stone is like of the earth it's of like creation so it's not going to be defiled it's it's like pure it's, it's as essentially as ceremonially clean as it can be so if it comes in contact with something unclean they don't have to break it and throw it out uh so even though it's a lot more expensive to make because you have to like legitimately like crafted out of a single piece of stone, um, it, you don't have to follow all the like laws of the the if it's if a if a clay pot touches something unclean, you just have to break it. Yeah. Any other observations? There's a lot of stuff in here. So they, where do they get their water from? The wells? That's Most likely, yeah. And there's a lot of water. So imagine, like, paint this scene, okay? So, so here we are, and, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't think this was just, like, a, okay, filled up, and it's not just, like, they bring a hose over, and it's, like, and it's, like, even just, like, filling up 120 gallons of water from a hose, that would take some time. But, like, yeah, they gotta go to a well, it's not, because, you know, this is a, this is a week-long celebration, this, these weddings aren't just for an evening, it's, like, a week-long celebration, sometimes longer. And the fact that they're out of wine already was terrible. 
Like, it's not just, like, today where it's like, oh, no, we're out of wine. Let's just get some more. Let's just go to the store. Let's just, like, Instacart and we'll have it here. Like, having... So, wine was seen as a source of joy back so then. So, it'd be like Jackie, but not a <laughs> <laughs> I just said there must have been a bunch of Jackies. <laughs> so, so, I've even heard that it was as serious as you could be sued. If you ran out of wine during the wedding, you could be sued because it's essentially saying, because the groom at the time was the one providing everything, paying all the expenses, providing all the wine, all the food, everything at the time. So it's essentially saying, this guy can't even provide enough wine to host this event that's celebrating these two getting together. How is he going to be able to provide for her during all of their life? And they'd essentially be a laughing stock for the rest of their lives, like, Pfft. That's the couple who ran out of wine during the wedding. Um, and yet Jesus saved them from humiliation. That's all that it was, really, for as far as for the bride and the groom. They may not have even known that they were running low, because Mary is the one who said it, and Mary is just a guest. She's not, like, the wine keeper. She is not the sommelier there. She has nothing to do with the event other than she's attending it. And yet she's like, Jesus, they're running out of wine. Or actually, no, it ran out. The wine supply ran out. And that's when they said, we don't have any more wine. So it was like, they're going to be a laughing stock, Jesus. They're gonna, this is a bad start. And he's like, my time has not yet come. And him actually saying that's not my problem, or I forget how the other translation said it. Um... Anybody have another translation on that for verse 4? Dear woman, that's not my problem. Is NLT? Huh? Why did you involve me? Why do you involve me? Um, NIV said, like, my hour is not yet coming. My hour is not yet coming. So, anybody recall uh, 12-year-old Jesus what he said when uh, when he was left behind at the temple when they all started walking back home and, and Mary was like, oh, there you are. I'm like, what are you doing here? What did, what did Jesus say? Don't you know I'm going to go to my dad's house? Yeah, don't you know? I'm like, I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm don't, don't you know? Don't you know? <laughs> don't you know? Like, I'm at my father's house. So Jesus is the son of God. So his father is God. And him saying that's not my problem, that's not our problem, or that doesn't concern us, is is like this is not this is not my father's business. Mother, this is your business. Like it doesn't concern me. Like I'm I'm, you know, working for my father, essentially. You know, that's his ministry. But like I'm sure, you know, so Mary has never seen him do any miraculous signs yet. But, you know, she's had an angel appear to her. She's never had sex, but she gave birth to him. And so I'm sure Mary, if nobody else is like 100% convinced that he is the Messiah, because I had an angel tell me I'm going to give birth to the Messiah, even though I didn't have sex. And then I gave birth. So if that part's true, this part is true. Um, so she's like, hey, they're out of wine. And... And Jesus isn't just like, no, I'm not going to do it. I mean, he does. But then she's like, it's like, 
hey, can you can you help me with this? It's like, no, I can't. Hey, just just do whatever she says to do because she's gonna help. And he doesn't back talk and go, I said no, like I'm not gonna help. He's like, all right, fill the water, fill the jars with water. So why did Jesus do that? Why did he go through and and end up doing what his mother wanted to do? Does it say it in here? Verse 11. His disciples believed. Yeah. Well, what was an outcome? There's a better way of, of what I was trying to ask. What what was an outcome? What was the outcome of him doing this? Do you think his disciples believed in him before he did that? Huh? Why would you say that? Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so I missed last week, the last time, but I feel like to some degree his disciples would have to believe in the one he brought the means to Yeah. Haven't you guys seen The Chosen? I started it. Okay, it's like really good. And anyhow, he hasn't gotten to that episode yet. Okay, so calm down. <laughs> Fun facts. Boy, I have seen this two thousand years ago. Uh, it depicts a very different version than I picture the scene in my mind, and obviously. We don't know how it happened, but it's just like kind of dramatic licensing of like how it might have happened. And it's 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 just really neat the way that they kind of portray it of like, yeah, there's a wedding, there's all like the politics, the family politics going on of like of these things. And it's it's just really neat the 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 running out of wine having more gravity than just oh, we're out of stuff to drink, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and things like that. It's just really, I just figured Yeah. But you kept the best until now, which means what Jesus produced in that miracle was better than everything they had before. Yeah. That portrayal, even to the company there, would be like, oh my gosh, like they didn't scrimp, right? They didn't, they didn't shortchange us. Yeah. It's even better than when we started, and that's not what they're used to. Mm -hmm. So again, this is an early picture of Jesus going against the grain, in a way of like, no, the best. Here, you know, it's available to you. Yeah. And it's not when you expect it, but it is the better way. And 
Yeah. That's good. No, I'm, I'm glad somebody hit on that because, yeah, it's, you know, after, you know, this, you know, there's probably a few days into the ceremony without a wine, instead of being like, all right, bring out the really cheap stuff now, bring out the $1 bottles, bring out, like, the bags, um, they're like, no, bring out top shelf. Like, that's what Jesus is doing. He's not just like, oh, yeah, here's some bag wine I got for you, like, off the bottom of the shelf. He's like, no, this is some top shelf. This is the best. This is the choice wine and the, and the, um, the master ceremony was like, this is this is the best. Usually, this would be like when the bad stuff is coming out because everyone's drunk. Um, so, how how much do they fill up those containers? To the very top. Why do you think John specifically? specified to the brim they filled it to the brim i believe that's that's the that's the how it was worded to the brim yeah because they did <laughs> yeah good answer good answer fair enough <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I just thought of something. I, I didn't think about this before. Could you imagine if Jesus told you, like, you, like Jackie, McCabe, Yana, Hannah, Kayla, Elizabeth, Christian, Lily, Christian, Zach, Ben. Wow. <laughs> I thought I was going to like be like, oh, I can't think of your name to somebody. Um, could you imagine if Jesus specifically said to you, do this, and you don't do it 100%, you don't fill it up to the brim, you just kind of, eh, maybe you don't half-ass it, but like maybe like eh, 85%. You know, you do like 85% of to what Jesus said. If he's like, hey, fill these jars. And you're like, okay, I'll fill them. You know, maybe you're not asking like how much, like how high should I fill it? You know, not like a jump. Hey, how high? It's like, just jump. You know, not like fill these jars. How much should I fill it up? Fill it up. Imagine if this was your wedding and this was you. And Jesus is like, fill up the jars. You're like, okay, and you're going, and uh, you're tired. You're like, oh my goodness, all right, all right, I just filled up, like, how many of these are there? There are six of these, and there are 20 to 30 gallons each. So you're like, 30, 60, 90, 120, 150 gallons, and you're like, eh, I did five out of six. I, know, I just carried 150 gallons of water from the well to these jars. That's good enough. He said fill them. He didn't say fill all of them. He just said fill them. Loophole, Jesus. I found a loophole. Um, it's like, imagine if you do that, and then Jesus turns what you just filled up into wine, and you'd be like, if I had obeyed fully, I could have had more. I don't know. That was just a thought that just came to my mind of like, what are we trying to do? Because we're like, oh, I feel like Jesus is telling me to do this. And we're like, 
pursuing it or we're doing it or we're trying for it and we're like we don't have the gold we're like yeah it's like olympics time so we're like we're reaching like the bronze or the silver and we're like if you had if you had done just fully what i had commanded you'd be receiving so much more because you reap what you sow okay so these these ceremonial jars these washing basins Oh, oh, I want to get back to my other point of filling up all the way. There was no room for error. Yeah, why did he record that it's filled all the way? Because it was. Because he said to. I think it leaves zero room for, hey, like, I think they filled it up like 90% of the way and then they put something into it and then it became wine. They just like, you know, something happened or they just poured a little bit of wine on top and diluted it, some some really good stuff some, and some spirits and diluted it. No, it was filled to the brim. It was overflowing with water. There was no room for extra play or stirring something. It was full. All right, so what's with these ceremonial washing basins? Hannah, what's, what, what do they do with these? Huh? They wash in them. Can you... Clarify for those who don't have no idea what that means. What do they What do they do when they get there with that? You have to wash. What are you washing? Okay, yeah. I just wanted some clarification. People think they're all bathing in a little jar. Um, so yeah, it's a twenty-gallon jar. So yeah, so these are there so that when they enter. They wash their hands. They wash their feet. Now they're ceremonially clean, and they can. They're now clean and partake in the ceremony. Um, they're filled with wine now. Alcohol kills germs. So let's 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 look at something a little deeper here. Maybe we can relate it to something else that happens later. These things that are now meant for being ceremonially clean is now filled with blood. Is now filled with wine. Sorry, now filled with wine. Is this a a sign for something? Is it maybe foreshadowing? Is he demonstrating something here? Okay. Washed in the blood. We no longer need these ceremonially clean thing we don't need to do things to become ceremonially clean we can be clean through the blood of jesus through what he creates and what he calls clean jesus becomes the cleansing water so that we no longer need to be ceremonially clean his blood washes us clean maybe it's also like you know his Yeah, yeah, he said, like, you know, like, pour out some of that wine and give it to the master of ceremonies. Um, something else I think about with that is, like, um, when they, when Jesus was on the cross and they, like, stab him and water comes out, it's, like, blood to water, and this is, like, the opposite mm. of water to blood. Whoa. And then it's, like, reverse. That's cool. I don't know, I don't really know, like, if there's a connection, but it's, like, 
happened there on the cross is actually can be scientifically proven and why under that amount of stress if you're poked it wouldn't be blood it would be water first and then blood which has been proven yeah, and which, which just backs it up more in the case for Christ I guess I mean I didn't read the it's book but Um, so, uh, how am I trying to ask this before I get to that? Any other thoughts or anything else on, on this section here? Okay. Yeah. So, Jesus, th- this this was an outcome of Jesus being, you know, invited to the wedding. Would probably say this this would probably was the best wedding of all history because it's like, first off, Jesus was there, um, but like also should go to say that like, what can happen when we invite Jesus into our lives. What can happen, you know, not just, you know, I'm speaking to a room of, of believers, so I'm not saying like, hey, like, raise your hand if you need to be saved. Like, I'm saying, what can happen if you like, truly invite Jesus into your lives, into the fun times, into the hard times, into the celebrating times, into the un- living under a rock, everything sucks time. Like, what happens when Jesus is invited? And what happens when Jesus is invited to work in our shortcomings and when we say god there's no more wine not literally like oh my god my bottle is empty but no i mean anything it can be rhetorical or non-rhetorical if you wanted to answer you could Because, you know, Jesus was invited to the wedding physically. He had the invitation to the wedding. But then his mother, you know, you could say made him. But, you know, Jesus was never... <coughs> no one ever made Jesus do anything. But his mother, I, you could say, strongly encouraged or commanded him to or whatever. But Mary 
you know, you could say also invite him to to do that. But we all have shortcomings. And in here, you know, the bride and the grooms, their shortcoming was they didn't have enough wine. And they may not even even ever known that, oh, Jesus made a whole bunch of more wine, like 150 more gallons of wine for us. And they may or may not have ever known that. Now, how many times did God save us from humiliation that we might not even be aware of? There could be so many things where it's like, oh my gosh, like, what if this had happened? Or, or, or there might be things that we don't even know could have been a potential thing, but God, God stepped in and saved us from. Alright, last call for anything on this first part of chapter 2. Cool. Alright, who wants to read verse 13 through uh, 17? Who wants to read 13 through 17? Go for it. Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a den a house of trade. Uh, his disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume it. Cool. Who wants to take the last part? Um, let's just do 18 through 22. The Jews then responded to him, what time can you show us to your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days? For the temple he had spoken of was gone. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. This is a great example of what not to do and... And say, what would Jesus do? And flip tables and whip people. Um, not the morals of taking this. <laughs> Alright, so what's, what is happening here? Every time I love that Jesus hand makes the whip. Like Jesus is sitting outside. Probably like <laughs> stewing in anger. Sitting and probably just chilling outside the temple. Like these guys... Have, uh, I think it's, I don't think it's this one. I think it's the other, uh, another, another, uh, what is this? You turned my house into like a den of robbers or something like that. Den of thieves. Uh, yeah. Den of thieves, yeah. And so changing, just imagining him stewing out there on like a step, on like the curb, just sitting on the curb, making this nice whip, and then absolutely going to town. Okay, okay, just every time. Exactly. Just standing around it. So, uh, Jesus, what, what, what exactly are you making there? Don't even worry about it. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fine. No problem here. 
So was uh, was Jesus justified in what he did? Why? Because he's Jesus. I was I was just about to say, don't say because he's Jesus. Why? What kind of anger did he have? Righteous. Yeah, righteous anger. Yes. Oh, go ahead. We we're talking about because he's Jesus. He's. Oh, the right. I think it just needs to be said. You know, someone might look at this and be like, wait a second, I thought Jesus was perfect. I thought he never sinned. Yep, still true. It's all righteous anger. He he didn't, you know, kill people. He didn't go out, you know, causing a riot. He didn't, he didn't do anything that wasn't justified, that wasn't righteous, that wasn't... It was, you guys are sinning and turning a place of worship into a den of thieves and a marketplace and this is wrong and I'm taking measures to stop this now. And then just go in and 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 preach and say, you all need to stop. You know, maybe he knew that they wouldn't listen. Maybe he knew that this is what needs to be done. Um, maybe it's a combination of, yeah, you know, being still 100% human also and having emotions and having... Um, you know, reactions, but it's 100% justified, not sin. You're about to say something, Zach? Um, yeah, what do you guys think the... Do you guys think I'm reading too much into this? But I think it's really funny because it says, uh, In making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. So he's, he's done that, driven everybody out, poured out the coins, except... Then, and he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away, do not make my father's house a house of trade. So it seems like he goes from whoosh to flipping tables, then to, hey, leave with all your stuff. It's very interesting. It does actually look like that, yeah. It, it feels like, I don't know, my translation says he, um, he drove out the sheep and the cattle, meaning the thing that he was using his whip on, or sheep and cattle, the way that you make them move. Is, with, with whereas birds, like, so what it, to me is like this balance of why it's not sinful is like it sounds very like violent and extreme. And the flipping tables is definitely, again, one of the things we think is like we think flip a table. 
in my in my image of this is he drove the, the sheep and the cattle out in the way that a herder would do so, because you know that's the thing. Then he overturned the table so that it can't be used to do the money changing. Not necessarily like throwing them down the gutter, but like putting like laying them down. Maybe by the, maybe not. But then he again like this idea that he's asking them to take their doves. He's not like releasing the doves. He's not like running the cattle out so that they like are like lost and they can't the people that own them can't get them or anything. He's like doing it in a in out of righteous anger but still respectfully he's still like throwing them out of the temple because those things are still necessary for what is still being done in Jerusalem. He's not he's not completely removing the need for the temple at this time. Like he doesn't end up dying for three years or whatever. So he's not like completely being disrespectful. It sounds so like violent and like Well, you know that if he had done something wrong, that like there were already Pharisees that were angling for him at this point, like probably, and they definitely would have referenced this and been like, "Hey, remember that time you did this?" Like they would have used it against him if he did anything. That exactly. Was, like, That's what it's yeah. really not simple. I think we see it as this, like very violent, right. and I think it was very forceful, but it wasn't like it was violent. It wasn't him throwing things and breaking, you know, stuff. It was him like dumping the coins out, you know, dumping the box of coins on the ground, overturning the tables, driving out the cattle, and hand, like, telling them to take the birds out. He didn't smash the cages and let all the birds fly away. Like, get them and take them away. Take your cattle, get out. I'm driving out. Because again, we don't know about this. Why you would need a whip for that, but it's not violent. That's how mm-hmm. it's done. You know, I think we just view this as a very violent thing, and that's why people worry that this was sinful, and that's why we do not question that. But in reality, This is like the first time I ever hear about this being violent. <laughs> I've never heard of it in a violent scripture. That's why I'm surprised everybody's saying violence. Violence. I'm like, what? Hmm. <laughs> Have I missed something all these years? So people are coming in for the Jewish Passover celebration. Part of that is sacrificing animals as was just the time of sacrificing animals for your atonement. And so, it's one thing to buy it, uh, a cow or a sheep or whatever, um, but they're doing it in the temple. They're doing it in a holy place that should be for entering into God's temple. And that's why Jesus was mad and and... You know, they're making it easy for people who are coming out, you know, coming in from out of town saying, hey, you didn't have a chance to bring a sheep with you? Buy ours. But it was where they were doing it that was wrong. 
you know, it it's, it says in um okay, well I, I won't skip ahead too much. So the Jewish leaders are like, What are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. I'm like, alright. Sure, I can do that. Destroy this temple. And in three days I'll raise it up. I can only imagine the Pharisees' face like What? Blasphemy! I mean they don't say that. But they're like, what? It's taken 46 years to build this temple. We can't rebuild it in three days. But even his disciples didn't understand what he was saying at the time. Because and then it says, but Jesus when he referred to this temple, he meant his own body. Tear down this body. Tear me down. After, it wasn't until after, in verse 22, after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered what had happened here, and they believed the scriptures and what Jesus had said. So it took them a while to believe it too, or to, to make the connection, to realize, hey, did he... Jesus just raised from the dead. Didn't he? he was killed three days ago. That was his body. And now he's he's rebuilt. Hey, didn't he say something a while ago back in the temple when he was, you know, he flipped the table and didn't he say like, tear down this temple and in three days I'll rebuild it? Wow, the Pharisees and us were thinking he meant the actual temple. Tear down this brick temple and I'll rebuild it in three days even though it took you all 46 years. They're like, that's what he meant. So, do you think the Pharisees were there at this point in time? Because it says the Jews specifically. Where? Rather than the Pharisees. In verses 18 through 20. Like, it talks about the Jews said to him, not like the Pharisees. The Jewish leaders? Either way, they, they weren't even necessarily mad. They're just, they were asking, what are you doing? But they're like, if God gave you authority to do this, show us a miracle. Prove it. Any other thoughts or observations or questions here? Wait, I said that in your footnote? Yeah. It says our bodies, temples, have 46 chromosomes in themselves. Interesting. Yeah. I did look it up to double check. And it was like 23 pairs, which is a total of 46. Yeah, yeah. Huh. I've never heard, I've never heard that. I never have either. I was like, what? I don't know how relevant it is, but... I, I, I just said it's just a small thing. No, hey, Observation. I, yeah, that's fun. Cool. 
so what do we do with this? The wedding at Cana, Jesus clearing the temple. Is any of this relevant today? Does anything here speak to anyone? Does any of it have any type of personal connection? Does any of it speak to anyone, do anything for you? Well, for um, a lot of Spanish churches, what they like to do is after service, we eat. Like, we all together, together. And there's a point in my church where they start selling the food in order for they can have like money for the next food. And then the pastor used this scripture and was like, why are we selling, like, this is not, we're not selling food right here. So it's be all from the nation of people's giving and stuff like that. Mm. That's the connection I have in real okay. life. Hmm. He, was, he was like super against selling food within the church because of this passage. Interesting. Actually, it, it's funny because that just sparked something I forgot to mention earlier in the first part of the wedding of Cana, of of the whole like connection with the the hand washing basin, ceremonial washing basin, you know, being he's saying like these things that you need to do before to be ceremonially clean are no longer needed because my blood will cover all this. I saw that as a connection to um, later when. Uh, I forget whose vision it was, or a dream of when the animals were coming down um, and God was saying to eat it, and they're like, no, no, like, it's unclean. And he's like, don't call what I call clean unclean. I've, if I say it's clean, it's clean. Um, and what was my connection there? Maybe that was it. Huh? I don't know. I think I think that was it. Just connecting to that of of you know multiple times we see throughout of like they're like hey but Moses' law says this and it's like don't need that and hey but like you, we need to be ceremonially clean don't need that hey we need to sacrifice animals to be right with God don't need that hey but we can't eat this don't need that and because God is enough Jesus is enough to to abolish all these other rituals and things that you have to do to be made right with God. He's like, no, I'm the only way through. I'm the only way to him now. All right, anything else? Any other 
thoughts, any other connections for for applying anything here or any personal um, anything? Yeah, I'm just looking at it. I'm like, we might as well. I'm like, and that really starts the next of chapter three. But sure, we can read these. We we can read. <laughs> no, it doesn't like actually. But. Yeah, it, it's of Jesus and Nicodemus, and then chapter three starts with there was a man named Nicodemus. But sure, because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew human nature. No one needed to tell him what mankind is really like. <laughs> That's a lot dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I agree with you. Cool. Alright. Well, I'll uh, we'll close out in prayer and we'll split from there. God, we thank you for this evening that we get to gather together and uh, just read your word um, to be able to learn from each other, to be able to um, hear from you. God, I thank you for always showing up. I thank you for, for your word being alive and not just being um, a history book, but being a um, always present, always live truth. And just thank you for... Um, for who you are and for, for these miraculous signs so that we can believe. Um, you didn't have to show miraculous signs for us to believe, but um, you know our human nature, so you know it's a lot easier for us to believe to, to have um, signs from you. So God, I just ask for, uh, just ask for this week for, for people to be able to, to know you more, to be able to draw closer to you to be able to uh, just come into your presence more, to be able to want to seek you out, um, to be able to take time each day to to talk to you, to walk with you, to drink wine with you, um, whatever it may be. God, I think it's so awesome that, that you say that we can pray about anything um, and that you care, that you care enough to, to refill the wine at the wedding, that you care enough to to right the wrong that was done in the temple. And you care enough about each one of us um, for the silly, insignificant problems that don't make a difference to anyone but us and about the huge problems and, and, and things that these decisions can, can change everything. I just pray for blessings over everybody. Pray for this Saturday, for, for good weather, um, for, for lots of hungry and thirsty people to come out uh, for them to be satisfied with food um, and with your living water, um, to be able to to be um, satisfied in a way that only you can satisfy God. In Jesus' name, Amen. And Christian and Christian wants to pray also for the Rams to win the Super Bowl. Um, amen. Yeah, honestly, get Maddie Stafford a ring. Let's make it happen. I'm, I'm on your side. Hey, you know that publicly, 
They be they be saying it's all thanks to God. They're always thanking God. Yeah. And all the random 